Right, welcome everyone to Fazlift's podcast episode 20. Uh, very excited today. I've got a guest, Sid Rai. Um, welcome, Sid, to the podcast. How are you? Hey, thank you, Faz. I'm great. How are you? Awesome. I, I'm very well. Very excited to, uh, to have you on for the uh, special episode 20. So um, Sid, uh, Sid and I have known each other on the forums uh, for a while. Uh, Sid just got done winning... Um, winning a show and he looked tremendous great physique i'm a big fan of his physique so i was really excited to get him on and uh sid if you want to just do a brief introduction of yourself uh, just so the audience know who you are yep <laughs> uh yeah you're definitely one of my bigger bigger supporters on the boards and stuff so i really appreciate that Thank you. um i'm sid rye i'm 27 years old i'm a cpa i've been competing in bodybuilding since 2017 and so far i've done four shows um, with varying levels of success. <laughs> awesome, awesome, fantastic. Um, right, so we're going to delve right into the questions. And the first one, I think, is a really good question. Um, so Sid's got, a, Sid's got a really busy job, not just sort of hours, but also mentally taxing. And he also, I know, is very regimented when it comes to his bodybuilding, uh, as, as any good bodybuilder would be. So the first question is, how do you maintain a good work-life balance? Definitely. So a uh, CPA, like I said before, is certified public accountant. And there's different different fields you can work in as a CPA, but I work in audit. And so I um, provide audit services and provide reasonable assurance that the financial statements of various publicly traded companies are properly stated. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is I'm extremely busy for the few months prior to a company filing its financial statements with the, with the SEC. I see. And so um, that period is our busy season. It lasts about two months, three months. And during that time, it's, I'm working flat out, you know, hmm. I'm working 80 hours a week, 90 hours a week. And um, just, there's not a whole lot of time for anything in terms of work-life balance hmm. uh, just with work. And then once you throw in bodybuilding, you're, <laughs> you're hmm. missing a lot of sleep, you know, but, uh, aside from that time of the year, it's really not too bad. You know, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm working your normal 40, 50 hours a week. And, um, it really just for me comes down to kind of, um, just prioritization. Um, you know, like everybody knows the things that they have to do, you know, in order to be successful in whatever they want to do. And it just comes down to how much you value that. So for me, if I was to rank my priorities, it's, <laughs> this is going to come off bad, but it's definitely my career would be number one. Sure. Yeah, because, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because without my career, I'm not going to be able to have any success in, success in life, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, my family would be number two because without my family, um, it's just, they, they mean a lot to me. And then bodybuilding is number three. But the thing about bodybuilding is you need to, you need to absolutely to have success in it. If you're not somebody with like top tier 1% genetics, you need to dedicate a lot of time to that. Mm -hmm. And so that's my biggest priority in terms of the other, the other aspects that, that you can kind of come back, cut back on like socializing mm -hmm. just, or eating, eating fun food, whatever you want to call it. And so in that sense of like, of my, of my uh what's what would be the best way to put this out of my uh non-necessity activities right yeah bodybuilding bodybuilding rank, ranks the highest gotcha and so during the year i can really i can i can fit in whatever i want i can go out on the weekends with my friends 
and I can and I can uh, and I can live like a balanced lifestyle. But come contest prep and come busy season, you know, there's there's just two things in my life, yeah. <laughs> and that's work and that's bodybuilding. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, that's a really good answer. I I actually had a very similar conversation with a friend of mine recently and said, there's I could I know what to do to put 100% into my day in regards to bodybuilding, but I'll I'll usually manage maybe 70%. Just because things like work and family, I, I, I'll always prioritize that. So I've got an idea of what I need to do, but it's a case of what can I actually do on a practical day-to-day basis and still live a life. Um, so I like that answer. And I like the fact that you prioritize work and family. I think that's really important. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, more, I think a lot of people, um, will, they put the bodybuilding thing first mm. and they miss out on a lot. And yeah. I think bodybuilding needs to be adding to your life, you know, there's no, there's yeah. no need for it to be the entirety of your life. I completely so. agree. Completely agree. I think if it's done right, it, it should enhance you as, as, as a person within your family, it should enhance you at work as well. I think that's a great perspective. Awesome. Uh, sure. Right. We're going to move on to the second question. So this is interesting. Um, you've just come up, you've, so you've done four competitions. You've come off a really great win. That was a fantastic look. The, um, the black and white pictures that you, you had, which I used to advertise this were awesome. Um, so let's talk a bit about where you want to go from here. Long-term bodybuilding goals and dreams. Thank you. And I, <laughs> I hate to correct you, but I actually am coming off of a loss. Oh, <laughs> my okay. first loss. Of, yeah. So um, my competition history, I'll just yeah. dive into it. Yeah, yeah please do, yeah. I did my first show, first show in 2017. It was the Phoenix Europa. And so I kind of had immediate success in bodybuilding, hmm. not really in the sense of like, right when I started lifting, I had immediate success, but once I started competing, I did. And so the first show was after probably, I want to say a decade in the gym. And so, and, and maybe three years of, of bodybuilding seriously. So I did that first show, won the overall two weeks later, did another show, won the overall. And I was advised to go to nationals and do a national level show. And, Mm -hmm. but I knew that what the type of physique that I wanted to bring to a national level stage, I wasn't there quite yet. And mm-hmm. so I took, I took a decent, decent off season. I took off 2018 entirely. And then I, uh, and I, I set my sights on 2019 and doing a junior national show. So I had to do, I had to requalify in 2019 in order to, in order to do a national show. So I did that, did the Dennis James, won the overall again. And so that's like three straight shows at the local regional level, just winning overalls, doing doing great. It's fantastic, yeah. And, yeah, and it's so, and I, I'm not saying that in the sense of of like coming off cocky or, or bragging about it because it, I'm just setting the stage for the for the humbling that's about to happen. <laughs> oh no, you don't you don't sound <laughs> cocky at all. No, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I mean, I beat some I beat some decent guys yeah. in these in these uh, shows that I did in 2017 and in 2019, and then I hit the hit the national stage junior nationals and so it was the level of competition was definitely the best i had and i wound up taking second in my class mm. and so the goal was like you know when you've been winning winning your class and winning the overalls mm-hmm. and for me period the goal is always to win to win everything yes. you know i don't believe there's a point in in stepping on stage if yeah. your if your goal isn't to isn't to win yeah and so it, that one, that sucked a little bit, <laughs> but I'm, I'm bouncing back from it and I'm, I'm very excited for this upcoming off season. Awesome. But, and how long are you yeah. going to take off this time? For, well, this time, the, the plan for the next show, it's kind of up in the air. You know, I know that 
I was a light heavyweight. And so for those who are unaware, the, the cap for that weight class is 198. Mm-hmm. And I, I weighed in about 196. Um, one, 196 for the first show this year, 194 for the second show. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, and that was while cutting water to make it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was pretty much at the top of the weight class. Mm-hmm. And so I know that I'm about a hair over five foot eight. And um, to be competitive, in my opinion, or to bring the physique that I want to bring and be a, a dominant force at, the, at a pro qualifier, I need to be a heavyweight. And so it, the heavyweight cap is 225, but I don't think it's quite necessary to be 225 if you have a decent structure and decent shape, which I've been told that I do. I and so, so the goal, yeah, thank you. <laughs> the goal would be to be somewhere around the 210s, 215s, uh, the next time I hit the stage and try for a pro qualifier. That'd be, that'd and so be for nice. that, for that to happen, um, there's like, there's two ways you can really pack on size. You know, there's like, there's the, the quick way, which, which is, which can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then there's the slow and steady route. And I've always more of a, of a slow and steady guy. So I think I'm going to take, take at least a year, um, probably a year and a half or two years off in this yeah. stage. Awesome. Awesome. I, I also like that approach as well. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I've only, I'm only really in the middle of my first proper off season as a bodybuilder, but, um, I just did an eight month bulk relatively slow and steady four month cut and now another eight month bulk sort of, sort of two years in between competitions. And like you say, it can get a little bit dangerous if you're just what making these huge wild swings. It's not great. Yeah. I think, I think that's how you see a lot of physiques getting, getting wrecked these days and a lot of people getting hurt, you know, just because there's this, this idea that, that you need to you need to rush it or maybe i don't know i feel like there's it doesn't make much sense to me because there's no prize for getting there first yeah you know yeah. and so the what what i enjoy is just just the, the acts of bodybuilding the day in day out of of eating the food and going to the gym and and looking the part you know that's fun for me so it's not it's not about a pro card or anything like that yeah. so i don't i've never seen a need to rush yeah, yeah, that, that's great. So let's go back to the original question then. So long-term bodybuilding goals and dreams. We've said that you want to bring um, a, just a heavier heavyweight package to the Junior Nationals. And by the way, Junior Nationals is a huge stage. From what I know, it's very, very competitive in America. So in terms of moving past that, long-term, we're, you know, let, let's, let's look 10 years down the line. What are, what are we looking at? <laughs> 10 years down the line, I think I'll probably be done with bodybuilding. To be <laughs> if, I <hit> my, <laughs> if I hit my goals, I'll be, I'll be 37 at that time. And, you know, uh, hopefully I'll have a family. The, having a family is one of my goals for sure. And so um, bodybuilding, um, the way I have to do it is, can be selfish. And I definitely couldn't do it with, with the kids, with kids and a family. So 10 years from now, I'll hopefully be done. But <laughs> five years from now, um, if I, just breaking it down real quick, the, my, my thoughts right now are, you know, I've done well at the junior national level, second and arguably could have won the class. And so that to me tells me that that to me kind of knocks that one off my checklist of things I need to do. Cause you know, guys like Kevin Lebroni did the show, Sean Ray did the show and, and they didn't win their classes either. They came in second to be honest. Yes. And just, and it's like, I'm not saying I'm on their level or the level or junior nationals is on that level. But for me, that that checks that box and yeah. based on what the advice is that I've been getting from other people, they would say hit a hit a pro qualifier next. And so one of the things that's kind of holding me back is um, I'm not a U.S. citizen. And so I can't compete in your standard U.S. pro qualifiers 
until I do have my citizenship. Mm-hmm. I'm a Canadian citizen, so I could do North Americans. Um, but I think that I have applied, and so I'd expect to receive my citizenship in about a year. Mm-hmm. And once I do, the, the idea is to hit hit the US, hit USA's um, as a heavyweight, and then the goal being, <laughs> I know I said the goal is to win everything, but at a pro qualifier, <laughs> your first time out, your goal should really be should be top five. And so that's my realistic goal. And then um, go from there, just assess from there. Um, if I can do that, uh, whether I have a realistic opportunity of getting a pro card and uh, whether I should keep, keep pursuing this goal. But long-term goal, as you asked, mm. and I've been avoiding that, that question, <laughs> but um, I, I've, I've said this, this is my, my absolute first goal in bodybuilding, but I'm, um, I'm, I was born in India and I'm of Indian descent. And there's never, to my knowledge, been a person of Indian descent to win an open bodybuilding pro card in the U.S. Mm. And so Amit Roy won, was probably the, had the best shot to. Mm. He is a classic physique pro, and he won a classic physique pro card, the overall, actually, at the North Americans. Mm. And so he's done that. But for me to win a bodybuilding pro card as a as a bodybuilder in the same in the U S would be first. And so wow, that would that, be a dream country. That is really something that would, that would be tremendous. Uh, and I think that's definitely a goal worth striving for. So um, awesome. Very, very cool. Um, we'll move on to the, the third question. It's somewhat related. <laughs> um, the, the body shaving challenges of Brown bodybuilders. Um, we can <laughs> talk about this. So, uh, let, let, let's talk about that. Oh man, I'm sure you did not like your your shaving experiences either. <laughs> I, show, right? no, I didn't. <laughs> it was it was not fun. It was not fun. Although although to be fair, in a weird sort of way, I've actually probably gotten less hairy the older I've got. I don't know how that works. Wow, that's yeah. that's like very very it's, surprising. It's, I sort of reached a zen like status now of just being less hairy. I'm sure I reached the pinnacle of hairiness probably five years ago. <laughs> sort of, my body's like, man, this is just no point to this. So, <laughs> yeah, so but what, what about yourself? Yeah, I hope it works out like that for me. That would be a dream for too. But um, yeah, I am an extremely hairy person. It's just absolutely genetic. It's everywhere. It's on my on my neck, on my back, on my butt, on my legs. And so come come that peak week when you've got to shave, you know, it's just uh, that's like a it's honestly a, a two three hour process. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, the reason this guy asked this question is because. Um, my mom and my dad usually do my shaving pre-show. Mm-hmm. And so um, this last show, their flight got canceled. And so they weren't able to come for the show, like right, right in time for me to get my shaving done before the camp. Yeah. And so I was, I was like depleted as heck, just <laughs> go, going hypo in my, um, in my Airbnb, like before yeah. the show. And I could not drive to anybody's, anybody's uh, hotel or, or apartment to get my shaving done mm-hmm. before before junior nationals and so a friend of mine actually who an internet friend we, we've all got a lot of those yeah of course <laughs> yeah. Forum yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's a good coach and he was at junior nationals and i'd never met him but we've been talking for a while and he's like dude i'll i got you <laughs> so the guy <laughs> the guy the guy ubers 30 minutes one way um from the from the host hotel in chicago wow. Wow. to my airbnb shaves me in a over a three hour over a three hour time period and then 
and then Uber's back, and this is the first time I've met him in real life. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> that to me is bodybuilding. You that's, know, that's that's awesome. Is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what? Let's just let's just stop and appreciate the fact that we, you know, internet friends. It's 2019. You can have internet friends, and in this case, that's really worked out. So that's good. It's no longer you know a closet basement kind of thing. It's like this is a real thing. Internet friends are fine. Internet <laughs> friends are fine. Yeah. I'll put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not weird. It's, it's not mean, weird. Exactly. Getting shaved by a stranger is a little bit weird, <laughs> but <laughs> That's hilarious. having internet friends is not that weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, I have to say, I've made yeah. some great internet friends just through bodybuilding. So it makes me, yeah. I'm not, I'm not embarrassed by it at all. You know. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Definitely, me too. Just, just, I'm just to kind of deep dive into that topic a little bit as well. So, you there's shaving. There's also Veet. You know, Nair, the cream, and there's also yeah. waxing. What's your preference? <laughs> I know this is this conversation is just getting really strange, but let's just go into it. Go on. What, what's your preference? I've never actually done waxing, just because I don't know. Maybe I'm a wuss, but that just sounds sounds like painful and irritation. It really hurts. Yep. Yeah. I, have you done it? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I, well, for, the, years, for the show. Years ago, years ago before I was bodybuilding, okay. and, and yeah. an ex girlfriend did it, and it was just horrendous. Yeah. No. Yeah. I had an ex. I actually did have an ex girlfriend who mm. who waxed my back. Like mm. just sections of it, and yeah, no, not a fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe that's why they're exes now. You know, it's, it's just really painful. But Veet, see, yeah, I, I beated for my competition, and I, that was actually really easy. Yeah, that is that is really good. I've used it before. The only issue for me is that I get a little bit of chemical burning and redness. Uh, you yeah, know, yeah. And so I'm also not sure of how that interacts with with tanning products. You know. Mm. Just because there, you've got, you've got. I don't know what they use in in the UK. Is it Protan? Yes, Protan. Yeah. Okay, so you've got Protan, you've got Liquid Sunrays, and then you've got your your little whatever your local tanning companies use. And so I just, I just wouldn't want to risk having some kind of like green effect happen <laughs> when I get my tan done, just because that's, that's so crucial. Wow, that's true. I never even thought about that, but yeah, that's true. I, I guess I got away with that one. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I had my feet done on Friday and my show was on Sunday morning. That was, that was, Oh, wow. Yeah. That's very, very short, short time frame between the two, you know, like, I mean, obviously you're showering, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it sits on me, you know, the different chemicals. I feel like yeah. it sits in the skin a little bit. It's hard to get it all out. So. Oh, I think so. Yeah. It's a good point. That's a good point. Um, right. So we'll move on to the fourth question. So, um, this one I, I find different coaches go about it different ways. Me personally, um, with the few people that I've actually put on stage, I put about five people on stage at the moment. I do generally have a peak week protocol. Um, I know some coaches who, just, who forego peak week protocols and just ease their clients in as lean as they can be. What are your thoughts on peak week secrets? How, how do you um, do this? Peak week secrets? Yeah. Uh, I would say there really, really are no secrets. You know, the secret yeah. is, is just get, get to having no subcutaneous body fat and yeah. then whatever you do is going to work. Yeah, true. yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yeah. That's been my experience at least mm. because I had, I've had two different, different coaches prep me and they actually had two completely different approaches mm -hmm. and I've been, I've gotten compliments on my, on my, uh, on my look both times. Yeah. Your dryness. So, yeah. Yeah. Dryness and, uh, and just like, and fullness and, mm. Every, and the pro approaches were totally opposite. The one coach, he, uh, my first coach, he had me drinking, it, it was like two gallons the day of the show. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I had like 12 grams of sodium that day. Wow. And the, 
the other coach, my current coach, Andrew Boo, he had me restricting my water on show day and he had me, and he didn't have me push the salt that high. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's, I think once the biggest thing, the biggest secret that people don't really seem to get is you have to be fat free. Yeah. And if you're not fat free, then you got to do your, your gimmicky stuff with your, with your different water approaches and this and that and the other. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I completely agree. I think you can, if you're doing peak week protocols and you're like, you know, 10% body fat, it's just, you're barking, <laughs> up, the, you're barking up the wrong tree, you know? So yeah, yeah I, get, I get that. That's great. Um, what makes what makes uh you know what we'll we go we'll come back to that question since you mentioned your coach we'll cover this question first. Okay. Um, how does so your your current coach is Andrew Vu? Um, yep. How does Andrew Vu work differently to previous coaches or to coaches you know? For example, what does he do differently? Oh, Andrew! <laughs> Andrew's awesome. Andrew's a very different guy in the sense that everything that he does is very uh, non cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he doesn't, he never, he doesn't have, he doesn't really have a game plan going into things. He doesn't Good. have any idea of what he's going to, or he just, he reacts to what he sees in front of him. I like and that. so, yeah. yeah, that's, that's exactly how it should be done. I yes. think because yes. if you're going into something with a game plan, you're kind of, you're going to, you're kind of, you're going to, there's confirmation bias there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so what, what the, <laughs> me and him, him and I actually got into an argument about this because uh it's my first time prepping with him you know and i can be a little bit of not just a little bit i can be extremely neurotic when it comes to contest prep, mm-hmm. you know because it's important to me sure, and andrew yeah. is the most stress-free relaxed guy and so i told him hey man can you give me can you give me a breakdown on uh on what the plan on what the plan is for game for peak week and he's like no there's no plan what are you talking about yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean there's no plan <laughs> i mean because my last coach uh, like two weeks out or three weeks out, he, uh, we did a practice peak and he sent me this template of what he does. And, and it's like, and there's like, you're looking at a glucometer and there's this detailed water loading protocol and don't eat your, and you can only eat asparagus and all this crap. Mm. And so Andrew's like, no, it's like, there's no game plan. So me stressing out, I think he's holding out on me, holding some seats back. But no, that's just, that's just Andrew. You know, he's, uh, he's very low stress. He wants pictures. I think I sent him pictures like two times a day, every day at certain points, mm. you know, like faster in the morning. I'd send him pictures from, uh, from my bathroom fasted, from mm. my living room fasted in the morning on check-ins. Mm. And then post-workout, I'd send him <laughs> pictures. So he's just, and this is, this is at least like four times a week, like mm. for, the, for the entire prep. And so he's just, he's very pictures focused. Um, he's somebody who, uh, he really, when it comes to, to, uh, to peaking, he believes more, he, he believes in, in water restriction a little bit. Like some guys are really not in the sense of cutting it entirely. He never cuts it, but he, he, uh, he'll restrict how you're, how much you're drinking and he'll time it around your meals and, and, uh, and just like that. And so, and then as far as um, just in terms of how he interacts with his clients, I think that for me at least, he's just like a very good friend. You know, we talk all day. Um, he's very, uh, he's not at all money motivated. He's somebody who uh, has always been, who's always put, put my interests first in terms of um, making sure that I progress 
rather than uh, rather than just looking out for his own interests. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Rather than sort of force anything which could potentially negatively affect your health and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Most sure. definitely. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. He, he sounds, like we were saying, he sounds very much a reactive coach, which I think is some of the better ones. Um, I often find with people who have a game plan moving forward, it often reminds me of that phrase, um, uh, if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas if you, if, if you have a big tool set, you can, you can work like that, which I think make, is, a, is a sign of a good coach, definitely. Awesome. I, I like that answer. Uh, very cool. Um, yeah, he's worked with a lot of a lot of the bigger name coaches. He's worked with Fakhri Mubarak. He's he's tight with Chris Asito after working with him, and he's picked up things from them. But really, it just comes down to the guy has had he runs he has a clientele of like one twenty plus right now, mm-hmm. you know, and he's been doing this for like for a decade, mm-hmm. you know, and so he's it's just experience. Yeah, and so that's all it comes down to. And the thing about him is he has a very good eye. A lot of people don't have a good eye for what's flat, what's full, mm-hmm. what's spilled. And it's, and, but he does, he sees it and he, and that's just, it's just something that, that you're kind of born with, I think. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's his biggest asset is his eye and his instincts. On a, on a sort of a, a secondary to question regarding Andrew again, I, what, what has his own competitive career been like? I'm just, just curious. Um, so I am actually overly familiar with this because I helped him write his bio for his okay. website. Right. <laughs> and so uh, he started competing in college and he started competing as a lightweight, didn't do so well at his first shows. And then he came back, um, won his class locally, and then wound up getting a couple, a couple top five placings as a lightweight mm-hmm. and as a welterweight in, uh, at national level pro qualifier shows. And so He's somebody, I, he's, uh, I want to say, I want to say he's like 32 now, hmm. but he definitely, I think, could have gotten a pro card as a welterweight, especially now that, um, that the welters and the middles are depleted with classic physique. Hmm. But I think that he knew that his potential as, as a coach was really far superior to his potential as an athlete. Hmm. And, he, and he knew also that, this is this is something like that you have to take into consideration when you're hiring a coach just that a lot of these coaches if they're competing you have to think about how selfish you are when you're competing yeah and think about whether they're going to be able to put their focus on you Mm, the way that you would want them to if they're your coach and so andrew knew that the way the way for him to be the best coach he could be would be to stop competing and so that's what he did and since then his business is blown up and he's been doing doing fantastic i think he's one of the best up-and-coming coaches around that's fantastic yeah it's great to hear i was having a conversation with uh, a friend of mine and we were just talking about the the sort of age-old conversation about whether a coach needs to have had success in the field uh, as in as a competitor himself to make a good coach and over the years, my opinion has sort of changed on this. I remember when I first started lifting, I was a, I was a bit of a sort of like a hard gainer apologist. And I was like, well, your coach doesn't, you know, he just needs to know the theory. He doesn't necessarily blah, blah, have to know everything himself, have to have done everything himself. But I've, my, my views on that have considerably changed over the years. And just because I've seen a range of coaches um, who uh, I, I don't, think are particularly great and they they don't tend to progress that much themselves i'm not saying that every guy who looks good could make a good coach but what i'm saying is i think i think certainly in bodybuilding 
perhaps not in other sports, but certainly in bodybuilding, you need to have a modicum of success in your sport as a competitor before you can be a good coach. What are your opinions on that? Because that's a, that's a really big argument that people get into. Oh, man, I think I agree completely with you on this. One. I think we're in, great. we're in total agreement just because, yeah. I mean, bodybuilding, you, it's like if you have the knowledge and you have the means mm. and you should be able to achieve something decent, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm not saying you need to be a national level guy. Mm. I'm not saying that you even need to be like, you know, you don't even have to be anything special, but if you don't look any better than a natural and you're giving out PD advice and you're right. cussing yes. people and, Th- yeah. <laughs> and Thank you. Together, yeah. like, yeah. You like you're doing. There's something wrong with you, you know. Yeah. It's like I, I'm not gonna. I, I I'm sorry, but I can't really respect you as a like as a coach. I wouldn't want to hire you. And then, I mean, anybody. The thing about bodybuilding is like anybody can can get success with a with a group of clients if they have decent genetic clients and they yeah. put their clients on on protocols that are gonna give them kidney failure and heart failure in 15 years right you know yeah yeah. that's a thing so but (laughs) what i and like you can do that with no with no background in yourself you know and with no like with no success on your own in bodybuilding and so that's why you can you can trick people that way but to me the the only people i'm ever going to hire are people who who walk the walk themselves and that's that's variable but like just have looked the part, have dedicated themselves to a diet to where they can they come in shape. If you've never been in shape, like yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to, yeah. I'm probably not going to take your advice yeah. and, um, yeah. and then have like, and then have a resume, you know, just that's not, that shouldn't be too much to ask, you know, to, if you're a coach, just you can, you can prep people, prep people for a couple, couple years free or whatever, a couple months, a couple years, whatever it takes for you to get a decent resume. And then, you know, just start out slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's great because I think that's, that's bodybuilding. That's the particular sport that we're looking at. I mean, people always give the example of like powerlifting and people say, well, Boris Shaco doesn't look like he lifts. But Boris Shaco can bench, squat and deadlift with really, really good form. And I, I, don't, I don't know many, the names of many good tennis coaches and stuff, but they might not look the part, but I'm sure they can do a backhand correctly. Whereas in yeah. bodybuilding, looking the part is your skill. You know, <laughs> that is it. Yeah. So if you're not, yeah. so it's just, and like you said, it's not about you've got to be national level standard. But if you've made no progress in three years uh, and you look the same <laughs> or worse with five grams of gear, there's an issue, isn't there? So uh, yeah. I struggle with that. But no, thank you for that. I know that was kind of off the menu, but thanks for your thoughts. And that's something else that's been going through my head for a while. Um, so moving on to the next question, what makes a good training partner? There you go. Oh man, um, this one is tough for me because it's been. I, it's been a long time since I've had a good training partner. My, uh, my last good training partner was in Oklahoma city and, uh, we got to work together for about two months before I moved. And so that was a real bummer. But for me, um, the way it varies, you know, just cause different people have different styles and different attitudes that they like to bring to the gym. For me, uh, the gym is very, is very work first. Um, I don't like to chit chat. Yeah. I don't like to, I don't like to take long breaks between my sets where I'm, having a conversation and some guys like that you know they like to take their four minute breaks and and mm. and bullshit a little bit and then they do, do their sets but for me it's i don't i'm i'm <laughs> this sounds snooty but the dorian mindset i heard yeah. that he and uh his partner what's his name leroy something yeah 
yeah, Le- yes, Leroy, and he's a. Uh, um, they, they didn't talk at all the mm. entire time they worked out, and for me, yeah. that would be great. <laughs> yeah, I would love yeah, that. Just, yeah, totally. Just hit the weights, and then once we're done, you know, we we can chit chat and bullshit over over some food or whatever it is, and then and that would be the ideal ideal session. But I think that in terms of specifics, somebody who's a similar level to you, who uh, who um, has a similar mindset in terms of whether they're competitive or not. And then somebody who has certain, who's stronger in some areas than you and is weaker in some areas than you. Cause there has to be a push and pull, mm. you know, where you're able to benefit them as much as they're benefiting you. Yeah. I think if just an equal exchange of sorts. And then if you have both have similar weak points, if you're both trying to bring your backs up, if you're both trying to mm. bring your arms up, you can, you can stay on a, on a, on the same split and that would just be perfect. You know? So yeah. Yeah. And I, that was that was my buddy Ryan Padilla in Oklahoma City. <laughs> shout so out to shout Ryan. Out to you, my man. <laughs> <laughs> my my best training partner was probably my elder brother. Um, we trained for a number of years when we first started training, and we were very much the same. There was very little chit chat. We had a job to get done, and we both just trained intensely to get to get it done. And we had that sort of pos- we both had that positive energy that could have brought us both up. Um, and uh, and that was that. And I think I don't really train with the training partner these days because I find it quite difficult. But it's funny. It's funny you talked about the whole the mindset and not talking because I was actually about to put up a post on my Instagram looking for somebody for a push session tomorrow. And the post was basically going to be like, I'm looking for a training partner tomorrow. I'm probably not going to talk to you. I'm probably going to have my headphones in. Uh, I probably won't even look at you. But if you yeah. fancy that, then <laughs> I thought I'll just start like a dick if I say that. <laughs> but that's kind of what I want. <laughs> that's exactly what I want. And it's so tough because. I'll get all these people that will, after a show, you know, you get a lot of attention and you get these people yeah. DMing you on Instagram yeah, yeah. and they're like, then they're local and they're like, Hey man, let's catch a workout. Let's like, let's get some work in. Your quads are great. I want to learn from you. And it's like, well, that's great. But, yeah. but like, I like, I don't want to have to be working out with you and talking. You exactly. Know? Right. Like, if you want to like, honestly, I'd rather just give you my phone number. You text me for advice. I'm happy to text you back, give you free advice. But like, I don't want to be talking. I know you're going to have a billion and one questions and we're going to have to have a get to know each other session when we're lifting. And it's just, no, I, yeah. <laughs> not when I'm at the gym, you know, like that's, what, that's my, I don't know how you do it, but for me, it's a little bit of meditation yeah. to an extent. Like I'm not getting it. I'm getting there lifting intensely, but I'm not getting there lifting upset. You know, this is a place for me to kind of, reset my mind you know I'm, i might be stressed out with work but for me the gym de-stresses me and yeah. so i don't want to be worrying about making a good impression on on this person that, that i'm think, meeting for the first time i think especially during prep time you, you're just that amped up and there's that oh, yes. expectation on yourself you know self-expectation and i think when anything gets in the way of your workout on top of if you've had a stressful day it's just like oh I can't deal with this. No, <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I'm guilty of just being like, oh man. There's this guy. I was posing in the locker room, and he uh, he's a bodybuilder himself. And he comes up, and he just moved from from Chicago, and he's like, man, you look great, very complimentary. And he's like, we should train together. And I, like he said that over text us, and I just I was just straight up with him. So I was four weeks out, and I was like, man you're not going to have much fun if you change with me right now. <laughs> it's not going to be a good time. So let's just, let's just connect once, once my season's over, you know? Like, 
I mean, people think I'm blunt on the internet. <laughs> you know, I had, I had, it reminds me of, I was about, I was about four weeks out of my competition last year and uh, I was doing, I was on a leg extension machine and I went to just fill my water bottle up but came back. Somebody had taken the pin out of the, the leg extension machine to use it for something else. And oh. so I was, I was wandering around the gym trying, trying to find a pin and I must have looked so pissed off. I wasn't, I wasn't really, I wasn't that pissed off. I was just like, okay, yeah. I gotta get a pin. And the guy who took it came up to me and apologized. He's like, I'm really, really sorry. I didn't mean to take it. Well I was like, wow, I really have to check myself here because I probably looked like I'm going to kill someone, but I'm not really. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not great fun. <laughs> right. No, no, yeah. In prep, when you've got that resting bitch face, I think yes. people will try to see your fear for sure. <laughs> Here's another sort of um, side question on that. Just as you've, as you're now one of the big guys in the gym, you're now one of the mm-hmm. guys, you know, when you first started, you were that guy looking for advice and asking people for advice. Are you getting more and more younger guys coming up to you to just randomly saying, look, can you give me some advice on this? Or do they, do they stay clear? Um, it kind of, I get, I'll get, honestly, people steer pretty clear in yeah. the gym. Yeah. Like just because I'm, I brought my headphones in. I literally, make no eye contact with anybody you know i think people can really tell that i'm i'm there with with a purpose and so they'll they'll avoid me but once i'm done i'll get people that will will come up and say ask me questions and things like that and i'm always happy to chat just like after my workout you know and that's i i don't mind sharing information or being helpful Mm. yeah i i kind of go back and forth on that i'm similar to yourself after a workout i normally do some cardio and i'm quite happy to talk then but i was just thinking the other day when i was a kid when i was sort of you know when i first started training at 18 i was that annoying kid asking everyone for advice (laughs) and so it's kind of like a circle of life thing i feel like i should give back but um you know i suppose like yourself i'd rather do it after a workout it's just kind of the way i am yeah uh, i mean i've heard that phil heath will like pause in the middle of his workout and oh. he'll just chat chat with whoever you know and that's great that's cool. but for me i i can't do that i don't think that i can i can get the results that i i need to yeah. and, for, and so that's that's just me being selfish you know yeah but yeah i i really i've had some kids who i've had one kid actually who came up to me and i was just uh i was working out and he's like hey um I think you look awesome. Would you, and I don't mean to interrupt your workout, but after you're done with your workout, could I ask you a couple questions? Mm-hmm. And that blew my mind because nobody is that polite, you know? It's very thoughtful. To say, yeah. yeah, it's very, it was very considerate of him. So yeah, most definitely I gave him that's my awesome. time after to, to chat that, with him and that's awesome. pick my brain. Right, so we've got a couple of questions here which are kind of deep diving into diet and training. Um, so the first one is, how does your diet differ between in-season to off-season? Uh, let's start with that. <clears throat> okay, so... Um, it's, it's been, the biggest difference is just that I get one free meal in the off season versus zero free meals in the, in pre-contest. And so, um, off season, like the food choices are the same. My food choices are the same year round. Uh, I, I never veer from my diet. Um, come pre-contest my protein, I, I usually eat about, 360 to 400 grams of protein year round wow. which for a for a 200 pound contest shape bodybuilder and 230 pound off-season bodybuilders is, is, is a lot i would That's say a, yeah, yeah. it's above okay. average can I, can I ask why so hard 
Um, that's that's Andrea's preference. Gotcha. Um, it's also my preference. I think that come contest prep, um, at certain points, I was eating, eating 425 grams of protein. And I honestly think that it does help you grow. I think people people underestimate how much protein a competitive um, like IFBB pursuing bodybuilder can handle. I think that's how really much cool. you can make use of. We have seen some modern research to support the idea that higher and higher levels of protein support greater muscle growth and also um, support recomposition effects. So all, all that, so the body of evidence, the new emerging evidence about higher protein intakes may, may seem to, to move into that direction as of well, that there could be potential there. Because obviously, no yeah, obviously no one's studying bodybuilders like yourself or pro bodybuilders. You know, we're, they're yeah. studying relative beginners, but it, it seems to point towards there being a potential there. Yeah, and definitely I think it also just comes down to, you know, just deferring genetics. You know, some people sure. – and just your, your cost benefits because some people can't handle – I know for me, when I first started with Andrew, um, I was eating 360 grams of protein. And so then he – he took, I was, and I was doing a macro plan and he took me from a macro plan to a meal plan, which I don't do a meal plan anymore because I don't, I prefer to do macros. And so he took me to a meal plan and he drastically increased the amount of meat I was eating and the protein in general. So I was eating something like 460 grams of protein, immediate jump. And so that just nuked my digestion, you know? And so part of that was just because Food choices changed a lot, and um, and meat meat consumption changed a lot, and overall protein increased mm-hmm. quite a bit, and so my body just wasn't used to the change. But some people just can't handle um, just can't handle really high amounts of protein and process it, you know. And so for those people, definitely um, use like use less of it. Eat eat carbs. They're protein sparing. You know, eat eat more fat. And so it's it's person to person for sure. I don't think there's any one um one be all end all for this i think that's a i think that's a great thing to talk about though because i i spend quite a lot of time in the evidence-based community so um a a lot of them a lot of those guys they focus on well to be fair they call themselves evidence-based it annoys me sometimes because a lot of them are just really (laughs) preoccupied with studies and it's not just about (laughs) studies but there's this massive kick on really high carbs at the moment so everyone's smashing the carbs really low fat and, and sort of moderate protein but it's really refreshing to hear someone like yourself, which is, it's a bit more, I would say it's a bit more old school bodybuilding. Um, and it's not something that gets talked about a lot. Uh, so that's really, and your, your carbohydrate intake is roughly about the same from what I seem to recall from your Instagram. It's slightly higher. Is that right? Yeah, right now, just because I'm coming out of a of contest shape, it was, it, it would have been like in the off season, like my, my protein, my carbs get high. Like mm-hmm. last off season, I was eating something like, 700 to 750 a day towards the end of it awesome. carbs and then yeah. and my and since i was eating so much car so much carbs andrew dropped my protein down to just 305 and i was weighing 235 pounds and so yeah i mean but when you're eating that many carbohydrates you don't need as much protein right that's we understand that yeah, to be, yeah, yeah. To be true but but i think that you know it's just there's there's different things that different like supplements that come into play when it comes to your carbohydrate intake and what you can, what you can um, make use of. And it's just, I think that it's in different people have different, um, different tolerances for carbs and for fat and what they, what they're able to use better. For me, 
Like I, I think I do my best on a fat intake of somewhere for, 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 for dieting. I think my, my, I do my best on a fat intake of 40 or 50 grams. Mm-hmm. I think my body just, just, uh, burns quicker and then, and it, and it processes my food faster and my digestion is better. And I do really well with like a super high protein, super high carb approach during that time. Mm-hmm. But then for off season, I think I'm more likely to like add size, like add weight and keep the weight on when my, when my fats are higher, you know, in that, in that 70 to 100 gram range. Yeah. What, what just for, I think that, I think doing a, a really low, low fat approach year round could potentially have like negative effects on, on your, on your, uh, on your blood work. Yeah, um, I think just so. Because you yeah. need that healthy fat. And so, and then a lot of the times these people who are doing really high carbon takes have, are doing really high sugar intakes too. And that's not really great for your health or inflammation either. So. That's, a, that's a great perspective. I think that's, it's so refreshing to hear something which is so different, certainly from the circles that I walk in anyway. But your, your fat intake is, is relatively low to moderate, I would say, in comparison to your protein and carbohydrate intake. So 70 yeah. to 100 grams is, is, I mean, that's pretty much what I would have, I guess. And I eat far less. So it's, it's yeah. very reasonable. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Okay. I think that hits, hits the bare minimums for just like for, for health purposes, but it helps me keep keep my digestion optimized yeah I'm hungry every two hours yeah i think too much fat can definitely weigh you down it can it can really it can really hurt um what about uh let's talk about training differences between in-season and off-season so we've covered diet so fairly tra- extensively yeah training um training is going to be pretty different this off-season okay just because uh for the past for the past couple off-seasons what i really there's been no difference um i train six days a week one rest day and uh, it's really just, it's kind of a push-pull, pull-leg split where okay, good. you're doing, doing, back, doing back, doing chest, and then doing legs, like a, a focus, a, some kind of either a hand focus or quad focus. And then I'll do my arms with my chest. So not quite push-pull legs, but pretty similar. And then uh, what, and then, oh, and then the difference would be that in the off season, since I have really strong delts, I don't really, I don't really train my delts at all. Gotcha. I yeah. train like one working set a week for lateral delts and rear delts, and then, and then come pre-contest, I'll I'll actually train my I'll actually train my traps, I'll actually train my delts, and and they'll grow. And then oh, and then in the in the uh, this past off season, I didn't train my quads. Like I just trained, I just did like I just did leg extensions um, twice a week, and that was it. And so wow. okay. the rest of it was all hamstring work, just to bring up my hammies. It's, but, yeah, very similar to what Ollie said when he was on the podcast. He said it more, it more advanced training seems to be more about individualization, personalization, rather than any particular sort of split. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I say push pull legs, but it's not your. It's obviously not your standard push pull <laughs> legs. But um, for me now, uh, when I was at junior nationals, once I got off stage, I, uh, I I don't know how familiar you are with with U.S. bodybuilding, but uh, a guy named Jacob Wilson won the won the heavyweights at the USA Championships okay. and lost to Derek Lunsford. Derek Lunsford being the, I have, the I have heard of Derek Lunsford. you know who Derek, yeah. you know who he is obviously. Yep. But for the people who don't know, he's uh, one of the top contenders for the 212. And so Jacob's a fantastic bodybuilder. He's a junior nationals, and he took a shine to me just because I reminded him quite a bit of of himself when he was competing um, as an amateur. And so he reached out to Dusty Hanshaw, who's an IFU pro, and got me linked up with him. 
And so Dusty Hanshaw is somebody who trains um, ex- very different from the way I train. He, uh, he's a very low volume and he's, um, and it's uh, very, very high intensity. Just like the volume that I do isn't excessive, but he's doing like two exercises for a body part and one work set a piece. Mm-hmm. And so it's quite, quite a bit different from what I'm going to be doing. And so I'll be working with him for at least 16 weeks um, this upcoming off season. Once I'm a little bit, a little bit fatter <laughs> and I have some more, some more body fat to push from some more um, cushioning. Yeah. yeah. Yes. A little more cushioning because the way he trains is very, very intense and very compound movement oriented. And uh, I do all my compound movements, but just uh, in the six week phase post post show and I'm still, I'd say, sub 7% body fat. It's kind of, you have to, you got to be mindful of that. Of course. Yeah. You got to back off. I don't actually know a great deal about how you train, um, is sort of in the office. So you, you mentioned higher volumes. Um, what, if you could put a number on it, what sort of sets per week are we looking at? This is kind of how my, my, my mind works. So sets roughly sets per week per body part. For right off the top of my head, um, that's going to be a lot of math. (laughs) I should have thought about this before. before we <laughs> if we take, talking. if we take, um, let's take, uh, let's take chest. Yeah. So for yeah. chest, that's what's interesting is for some body parts, I do pretty low volume. So for my, yeah. my chest is pretty good and it's also prone to pec chain. So all I've really right. done is, is four, I'll warm up with four sets of cross body presses. None of them will work sets, just getting the blood moving. And then I'll move on to dumbbell incline and I'll do, I'd say two to three work sets, two, two, two sets of, of eight to 10 at a top weight and then I'll back down by about 20% and do like as many reps as possible with that weight. So I'd say that's like, that's two to three work sets. If the first work set, if the the first set of that top weight is a true work set. And then after that, I'll move on to pec flies and I'll do maybe I'll do one work set Mm -hmm. and then I'll do, do dips and then just body weight dips and do one work set there. And so that's really low volume for chest because of its, it's, it's prone to injury and I don't need, and it's a genetically different body part. And then for something like, like back, um, I might do, I might do a pullover warm up with, with one working set. And then I'll do, um, I'll do a barbell row work up to, to one working set. And then I'll work, do what, what, what am I doing now? Oh, I'll do a, a chest supported two arm dumbbell row mm-hmm. on an incline bench. And I'll work up to two working sets like a, a, a top similar to chest. And then, um, and then after that I'll do, I'll do pull-ups because Andrew is really keen on me doing pull-ups because he thinks my back sucks. <laughs> and then I'll do, uh, and I'll do pull-downs and I'll do, and I'll do, I'll work up to like two sets, two working sets of, of the pull-downs. And so that's a little bit more, that's on like my, my easy day. And yeah, so you've got a couple of back days and a couple of chest days because you're doing a yeah. push legs twice. So you, yeah. overall, anywhere between say ten to twenty sets. Yeah, that, I would say that's right. Yeah, yeah. in a workout. Yeah. That makes sense. It makes complete sense. Yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I. It'd be interesting to. It would be interesting for me. I might follow up on you on the forum about how you're getting on with the low volume approach because I have my own theories about who that works for and, and, and things like that. So be, you'd be interested to hear your experience, but we, we can talk about it another time. Who do you, no, I'm interested. Who do you think that works? For me, I think that would work best for like ectomorph. People who are really uh, small who don't grow very well. Oh, the low volume approach. 
Yeah, the low volume. I actually think the opposite. I actually think the opposite. Um, really? Okay. Yeah, because I think the limiting factor isn't is the connective tissues during the session. Oh, yeah. Um, this is this is a theory that uh, a guy called Casey Butt originated back mm -hmm. in 2003 or something, and it's something that Mena Henselman has sort of alluded to recently, and it's something that I've believed in for quite a while. But I think that someone like myself, for example, I'm not uh, genetically, my bone structure isn't genetically huge, you know, wrists, yeah. ankles, all that kind of stuff. The heavy duty stuff for me, I, when you train, you, you've had this sort of, you form, like have little deformations in the ligaments and the tendons. And I think if you do, if you're not built massively robustly, I think it points to a need for greater frequency. So split your training across two or three sessions and also greater variety of exercises to allow you to keep pounding the muscle. Whereas if you've got somebody like a Dorian, his ligament structure is going to be able to withstand as much abuse as his muscles can take. So he can potentially do very low volume and potentially very low frequency. So I think it's, I think it's more down to an unstudied factor, which is actually the connective tissue. Um, and I think if you're very, very robustly built, your connective tissue can take as much as you're willing to throw at it and your muscles will get worked to the hilt. Whereas if you're less robust, you know, two or three or four or five work sets into a session, you're pretty much done and you should probably reapproach that same body part another time per week. That makes a lot of sense and it's something I didn't even consider. You know, I, I was thinking more a lot. I listen to Dave Palumbo a lot and he yeah. says, and he says, he thinks about it from a term, from a recovery standpoint, mm. you know, and so a lot of the, a lot of the thinner people tend to under eat and they, if their energy expenditure is more if they're doing a lot of volume in the gym, just mm. because they tend to just burn harder. And so in order for them to recover from that, they have to eat more. And so it's better for them to use a low volume approach, but from the sense of a connective tissue approach and a, a structural approach and an avoidance of injury approach, mm. I think that certainly makes a lot of sense. Exactly what you're saying. If you, so if you look at a guy like, um, if you look at a guy like Flex Wheeler, for example, he was, or Paul mm -hmm. Delay, he was, they were always sort of known for being lazy trainers because they didn't actually put a great deal of weight on the bar. But you look at the workload that Flex would go through, it'd be like sets of 20 on the leg press just over and over and over and over again. And if you look at his joints and his muscle structure in his bellies, it kind of points to that same effect. Uh, whereas a Dorian, you know, yeah. it's, he's, or Luke Sandow is a modern example of that, thickly mm -hmm. built. Um, yeah. and I've, I've seen some of these guys up close and it's just unreal how thick I was at a, I was at a strongman competition, uh, way back when 2003 or something. And I saw one of these guys up close and said, it's unreal. Like the, their elbows were back as big as my knee joints. <laughs> yeah, no, I believe it. I mean, just because I'm one of those guys who I'm, I'm the same as you, like yeah. I can, I, I, a female can wrap her fingers around my wrist. Right. Yeah. Know? Yeah. That's me what, too. Yeah. That's how small my wrists are. So. Yeah. I imagine you probably. I imagine you probably get the same sort of. I guess it's kind of a compliment, but uh, you look heavier than you weigh. Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, I get yeah, that too. That's my weight. Way, you know. way heavier than it actually is. So. Interesting. It's good for bodybuilding for sure, yes. but yeah, in terms of now you're making me, you're making me reconsider my training approach. <laughs> what, what, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Sorry, apologies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, awesome. you're good. I think I think like 60, 60 weeks for something is 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 a good is a good amount of time to really yeah. Uh, yeah. assess whether it works for you and. Hopefully I won't tear my pec off. In that yeah. time, but <laughs> I think, I think we'll you'll certainly get some quick gains over the first four weeks because your body will be reducing uh, its sort of fatigue levels from all the high volume training, but your fitness will just skyrocket. So I think your strength will skyrocket in the first four, six weeks. So just be, I'd say you'd get good results in terms of strength there. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm going to follow up on that with you because it's an area of interest for me. 
For sure, for sure. And it'll mo- motivate me to, to not stick with what I'm currently doing. <laughs> I'm a creature of habit. I hate to uh, I hate to change things. And part of that, I guess, is just part of that's just not liking to change. And part of it's probably a little bit of arrogance. You know, I think, you know, I know what I'm doing. I don't need any, any yeah, advice. Yeah. yeah, for sure. We can always take new approaches. And so that's what I'm trying to do with this one. Yeah. That's definitely yeah. very valuable. All right. So let's uh, go on to the next question. Um, things you know now that could have saved you time. So you've been bodybuilding for 10 years or so, uh, over 10 years. Um, at this point. Well, I've been, I've been lifting weights since mm. I was, since I was 15, just mm. for, just for sports. I only started bodybuilding seriously when I was 21 and I'm 26, 27 now. So that's six years. But yeah, for quite a while, I've been at this for a minute. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, and, com- and competing. I started in 2017, so mm, it's been yeah. it's been two, three years. Yeah. But um, things I know now that could have saved me time. Mm. Whew, man, that's a tough question. I mean, just that, uh, just that more isn't all isn't isn't just just that what it comes down to is really, um, really time time in the game. You know, and like, there's no real way to, to rush the progress, you know, and that you're not going to be, and I don't know about time, just what could save me time, just because everything that I've, every mistake I've made has, hasn't, I haven't really made any huge mistakes in my opinion, but the things that just, I would not want to, uh, I think that I took, I had a lot of stress in the beginning because I thought that I needed to be a certain I needed to look a certain way immediately after I started bodybuilding seriously or I needed to uh I needed to be at a certain level and like I was comparing myself to other people and thinking how come I'm not looking like this guy when he's he's my age or he's younger than me yeah. and we all just progress at different ages you know and you just have to focus on on your own pursuit and maximizing your own positive traits and worry about yourself you know yeah I think that's, I, I like the idea of just, just slowing it down and just letting it, obviously getting all your ducks in a row. I think, I think we both agreed on that. Like you've got to get your ducks in a row. You've got to get the basics down, the food down, the training down, but forcing, forcing muscle gains, it, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't no. work. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't it, at all. And, so, a, and oh, what I, what I could have, what it could have saved me time was probably, I think, I don't think I needed to compete any earlier than I did, but probably, um, Hiring a professional, yeah. a, a coach, yeah. a coach helps a lot. Yes. You know, uh, there's been times where I've been guilty of, I've always been very committed and very dedicated to my, to my bodybuilding pursuit, but I maybe didn't uh, push my food as high as I should have, or maybe I pushed it too high and having a second eye that you're, you're, that you have a exchange of consideration with, you know, is just like, they are, that's going to, that that gives you unbiased you know you know advice that's going to be in your best interest and so that's something i would recommend for saving time yeah i think that, that that's a great point about the coach and i've had a, i've had a few good coaches over the years um obviously my, my recent coach uh, chester and ap they mm-hmm. did they prepped me for my first competition was that was fantastic love those guys yep. definitely prep with them again and i've had some really good powerlifting coaches over the years as well and uh, they've all they've all been able to push me in a certain way which I think is really good. The coaches I've not really got along with so much have not really taught me anything. And that's a bit of a shame. Um, but I think you can, if you, if you have a good coach, hopefully you can learn something from them and, and they can push you to, to be your best. 
Yeah, and even if you're not learning directly from them, like a Q&A, if you ask a question and they're answering it, just you should be able to observe what's happening with your body when they do certain things. Exactly. Just, yeah. Just, yeah, just be aware, you know, yes. and you're going to pick things up. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Be, be aware. I think a lot of people just go through the motions, which is, um, yep. yeah, it doesn't work. All right, let's uh, go for, we've, we've sort of covered this, but let's let's take a little stab at this. Um, off-season goals and rough date for the next competition. So rough date for the next competition, I'm going to guess is something like 2021, 20, for example. Um, yeah, 20 or 2021, for sure. Yeah. And um, off-season goals. I mean, you've mentioned you've been up to 235. Uh, yep. What's your weight now, and what do you kind of expect to get up to? And I know that's an odd question to ask after saying, talking about you know just letting it come. But, but do you have any kind of? Do you have sort of you know like two fifty? Do you have any numbers in mind? Yeah, no, I'm two hundred six right now, and um, I'm really really lean. And so mm. I think I could, I could push this leanness to probably two ten, and then I'll start to have to get a little chubbier. But um, I think. You really, I do. I know I say don't rush things, but you should have some type of strategic goal in mind for the off season. At least if, if you're trying to move up a weight class, you know, you're not going to, I don't, I think there's this misconception that you can grow into a show like mm. from like for the, the, before even hitting a higher weight, you know, like that's not going to happen. If you want to be a 225 pound or 210 pound heavyweight, you have to be, somewhere from like 245 to 255 the first time you try to diet down there you yeah, know? yeah just because that's you got to build that you got to build the size first and so for me um i think i would like to stay a little bit tighter this off season um just because it's it's healthier yes um from like a blood pressure standpoint and blood work standpoint and so the goal is to get to 240 245 and then um i'll probably if I can't stay off, I have some local show goals. I want to be the Miss. I want to. I want to go back and win the Mister Oklahoma title. So I might. I think I could do that. Um, probably around two ten stage weight. So I think I might try attempt that, depending on how my off season progress is, and attempt that in twenty twenty. Then take the remainder of the year off, use that to rebound, and then do USA's in twenty twenty one, and or. Or we'll see. I might just take off all the way till 2021 and, and see what happens. Hmm. See how much size I can put on. But if the I, goal if I, for sure is to bring up the back, yeah. bring up the arms, um, and then and then get get that body weight up to where it needs to be to be a legitimate heavyweight. In terms of rate of weight gain, um, do you have sort of goals for that to keep you on track? I I'm personally looking for roughly a kilo a month. Is that something you? you look you look at or um if i was to do it if i was to monitor things on my own i would look for probably that same rate or maybe even even three pounds would be okay a month sure and but given that i have andrew to keep track of things i just really shut my mind off and let him let him do it because for me um i like i he's he's always been someone who's like you're lean you're lean we need to eat we need to eat you know he said to me do you, do, he said to me do you want to be a pencil dick forever? Like, that's, one of <laughs> that's and great. So, and so I was like, man, you're right. <laughs> we got to eat. So, um, yeah, I think I can be a little bit fat phobic just because genetically I'm a smaller guy. I like to, I like to keep it sexy, like to keep it tight, <laughs> but you know, it's just something you got to do. It's just yeah. part of the, if you're, if you're going to shortchange yourself by, uh, 
trying to keep the strategy glued to your round and it's not smart. And so you just yeah. gotta, you gotta push those limits. And so if Andrew wants me to, wants me to gain four pounds in a week, the first two weeks, and I'll do that. And then I, I trust his judgment. And you know, you're, you're young, you're still growing. There's plenty of growth yeah. there. So why not take it? Yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah. You got to think too, like if you, for a guy like me, I've got, and this is something people have pointed out. I have no issue with shedding fat. Mm. Like shedding body fat for me is very, is very easy. And so if I, Andrew is more likely or anybody is more likely to push my body fat up to a, to a higher level to accrue as much muscle mass as possible, just because they knew they know for me to pull the fat off. It's not a problem. That's a, that's a great point. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. It makes a lot of sense. Um, let's talk on, on that note, actually, we'll go on to the next question. Um, this says, how, why do you get more shredded than most? We, you and I had an interesting back and forth on um, yeah, Instagram did. about uh, adaptive thermogenesis. And uh, I thought that was really interesting to, to hear what you had to say about that because you, you, you're refreshingly frank about that. And I, I like that about you. Um, and you said this just doesn't happen to you. Um, yeah. So what, 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 do you, what, what do you think you do? Because you know other bodybuilders, you know what they do. What do you do differently if you do, or is it just a case of you just find that's one aspect of bodybuilding you find easier? You don't have everything easy, but what no. do you think? For sure, I would say that that is my genetic gift that I can just get harder than everybody else. Mm. Um, and then, not that I, I don't. It's not that I don't suffer when I'm at a low of body course, fat. Of course, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm dying sitting in my chair at work. You yeah. know, like it's, it's pain, and I can't think, and mm. it's, it's very difficult to function and, and do my my job that requires a lot of critical thinking. And mm. so in that sense, it's, it's difficult. But for me to, once I start, once my body gets to a certain body fat um, and all of my supplements are in and my body is clicking um, optimally and I'm getting enough sleep, it's just easy mode. You know, like I'll, at a certain point, we get to pull all the cardio, we get to start up in the food and my body just gets leaner and leaner. And, and whether that is also because we start drinking more water because I'm hungrier and I start going to the bathroom more and that's more activity. So there's more, uh, <laughs> what's it? There's more meat, meat right? That's yeah, not yeah. essential. Yeah. And so, and that kicks up my, and my body is just horribly inefficient and I burn more calories than most just from my, from my meat. Um, that I don't know, but for me, like when thing, when pe most people, they see, they've seen the, the idea is that they struggle more as they get leaner. Absolutely not the case for me. My body accelerates and uh, it, it gets to where you kind of have to, um, you have to keep it, keep watching it daily. Otherwise it'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll burn away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's great. Um, and just, just, but, to kind of, just to kind of point out for people listening, like uh, there's such, there's such a thing as, as being gifted in an area, but there's, and there's such a thing as just having it, easy and you, we're not suggesting you have it easy but being gifted in an area is certainly something you can then take advantage of because you have to work hard in other areas so someone like a jay cutler for example is just, you know he gained what 50 pounds of muscle in his first year that's a gift you know <laughs> yes, um, yeah so there's a difference yeah yeah you still have to suffer yes yeah. and he he had to eat all that food you know and he had yeah. to do all that heavy lifting and but the other thing is um just going back to that question about how do you get more shred than most it's just uh Number one, genetics, like I said. Number two is adherence to plan. Mm. You know, I feel I never stray off the plan that my coach has given me. Mm. It's I'm 100% on track and there's nothing that I'm not off the gram. I don't cut my cardio short. 
I don't half-ass my cardio. I do exactly what I'm asked and I don't substitute any foods. Like we are, I'm completely in sync with my coach. And I think a lot of people miss that. You know, I had this kid who was telling me who uh, he's doing his first show and he, uh, he was wanted, he had this list up for his questions. He's working with AJ Sims and AJ Sims has stopped asking his questions. And it's been three days. So he's asking me his questions. And I'm like, okay, let me help you out. And his question was, can I have almond milk in my coffee? And I'm like, no, (laughs) you can't have almond milk in your coffee. And he's like, really? It's just 30 calories. And I'm like, no, (laughs) if there's almond milk, if there's almond milk in your plan, in your coffee, then you can have the almond milk. But if it's not in your plan, no, you can't have the fucking almond milk. Like it's, yeah, it's 30 calories. And then it's 30 calories seven days a week and then it's three cu- cups of coffee seven days a week so yeah. that's 90 calories a day times seven 630 calories you know yeah, yeah, yeah. so and, and that, and that like, type of attitude is indicative <laughs> of holes elsewhere as well yeah yeah and i think that's that's really a lot of the population of uh, and so this is his first show so he doesn't know he doesn't know anything so i hopefully corrected that that mindset early on but a lot of people i think take shortcuts yeah. they're not putting in the maximum effort when it comes when it comes down to four weeks out they're slacking on the in the gym they're not pushing they're just not still pushing to progress the weights to keep their their hardness and like and i'm, I'm gonna call somebody out right now i saw um jason 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 varner um captain speedo he said yeah, this yeah. about somebody doing uh heavy rack pulls like at four weeks out and it's like and he said yeah, you're, you might, you're going to tear your pack mm. or you're going to, you might, he tore his pack lifting heavy. Yep. And so he's tends to like back off the weights like mm. the last four weeks. And it's like, you do need to lift with a level of caution and intelligence, but you, if you back off your intensity and you back off of your, um, of your training like that far out, I think you're definitely going to lose some of the look. And you need to be working as hard as possible on gym. Obviously, don't go for triples on rack pulls when you're depleted, which is what that kid was doing, which is which is retarded. I shouldn't <laughs> use that word, but like that's why I say lift with intelligence, lift yes, with intensity. Yes, yes. Yeah, like there, you know, you know when you're taking it easy, yeah. and you know when you're giving it your all. Give it your all, man, yeah. and you don't you won't have any regrets. Yeah, yeah. I I generally do pull out some of the heavier compounds about four weeks prior. Um, but then they they generally tend to be replaced with exercises you can safely go hard on. So I think there's I think there's like you said it's you've still got to, you still, the intensity still got to be there. I just rather not do that on some with some exercises which tend to be inherently kind of risky. Yeah, I mean I don't bench press, I don't flat barbell bench. Right, right, right. Yeah, I was doing like I was doing like if I was to he's I don't know I don't want to like th- things are different for for everybody, but. Sure. Yeah. If I'm doing, I was doing 600 pound rack pulls below the knee, like at eight days out for my show. And I was 5.5% body fat, 5.6% body fat by (laughs) Dexter. So like, I mean, you just need to, it it comes down to like, just like you, I guess do what you guys do, you know, like (laughs) for me, for me mentally, I can't handle not giving it 100%, you know, so that's what I do. But I also know that I'm not, I'm not push. If I feel like something's going to give, I'm not 
pushing for three more, you know, <laughs> I'm pushing for the reps that I need to get and that's it. You know? yeah. So just you're, you, people know <laughs> what they need to do. Just do it. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, when you're sandbagging, I think it's, 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 yes. yeah, yeah, yes. definitely. Yeah. Sandbagging is the correct term. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Don't awesome. sandbag. Don't sandbag. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I am, I'm going to go on to the next question because this is the one that I put in. I, I, I find this one interesting. So you've, I think it's safe to say, I think it's safe to say that you've had some struggle with your arms in the past. Now they've definitely come up in the off season. This is a particular interest to me because like yourself, biceps and hamstrings are actually fairly relatively to the rest of me, relatively weak body parts. So yours have come up quite a lot. I'd like to know what you have been doing or what your plan is moving forward for increasing size of your biceps because you've made improvements. And, and I think it's more valuable to ask for someone's advice where they're not gifted in an area and when they have made improvements than to just say, like if someone was to ask me, what are, what's your advice on forearm and calf training? I'd be like, well, I just, I don't fucking know because they're just they're naturally <laughs> big. So for yourself, bicep training, let, let's talk about that. Or, or lat training for you, because I yep. think that lat spread is, is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I, 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 <laughs> but um, for me, for, for the hamstring training, like you said, like I said earlier, I did I started training them twice a week, mm. um, just really doing no, um, no limiting my quad focus and then focusing on getting a what I, I had been doing heavy, heavy RDLs. I've, de- I've, de- I've RDLed up to 500 for eight. Nice. Um, very strict form and like, and my hamstrings weren't great. My glutes okay. are fantastic, but my hamstrings were that awesome. But once I started doing a lot more leg curl variations and like focusing on progressing the weight on leg curls, I think I really got a lot more drop in my hamstrings this, this season compared to prior seasons. And then, um, yeah. And then for biceps, um, that we ran through a lot of different approaches. Andrew is very, concerned with my arm size and rightfully so and so one of the biggest things was he targeted my food to where um we started to uh we started to just add extra food on those days and then use carbolin as well in order to um try to try to approach try to target those carbs around the workout when i'm when i'm targeting those muscles and so we didn't use any other like supplementation mm-hmm. in conjunction with the carb blend, but I feel like that was extremely helpful okay. for, um, for helping with that. And then another thing we did was just experimenting with more volume mm-hmm. and more frequency. And yeah. so for a period of time, he had me doing like really lightweight supersets mm-hmm. um, every time with opposing muscles for biceps and triceps. So if I was to do like, like a full exercise for my, for my biceps. I like a, like a, a dumbbell curl where my intention is to progress the weight mm. in between my sets. He'd have me do band pushdowns okay. for, yeah. for my triceps, just, mm. just adding more volume. And so I didn't feel as that, that got me a fantastic pump, but mm. I'm not sure that I, that actually produced much in the way of gains. <laughs> but I think the biggest thing was really just targeting food around the workouts and then progressing the weights. Hmm. while um while making sure that i was getting really good contractions and yeah and uh and good mind muscle connection with my with my exercises that i was using that 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 sort of fits well into a theory that i have because i coming from a powerlifting background i see quite a lot of you, you get there's there are there's a rare power lifter who will have decent biceps and hamstrings 
powerlifters tend to come in with very, very good chest, back, quad development, glute development, of course. And I think when you're lifting very, very heavy compounds, the inane, innately weaker body parts like uh, biceps and hamstrings, they don't get as much stimulation because the surrounding stronger areas um, tend to take over a lot of load. So similar to yourself, you really have to focus in and hone in on those areas. And it, it, a lot of times it is biceps and hamstrings and really, really focus on the contraction on those. So that's kind of my theory. I think the, you really can, like, I've, I've stiff leg deadlifts quite a lot. My, my deadlift was pretty big uh, at its peak. And I, I never really had particularly great hamstrings. I mean, I tore mine in 2005 pretty badly. And I still pulled pretty heavy after that. So I think it's a case of, I don't think they're a particularly strong body part for most people. And if you train in a power style, there are more dominant body parts which you can kind of take over. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I agree completely. Mm. I mean, <laughs> I think we agree on a lot of stuff. Now. We do, yeah. It's been interesting. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think um, coming from, from a powerlifting background, you're going to have to specialize a little bit more in your in your training for your biceps and your hamstrings just because they are going to be weaker. And it's just, I think that you need to, if you have a weaker body part, you need to focus in on, it's probably due to a, a worse mind muscle connection. Yes. You're yeah. probably not, you're not connecting with that muscle the way you should be. Yeah. I know that for me, something I'm, I'm experimenting with is uh, one of my buddies works with Matt Jansen, who I think is a fantastic coach and mm. Matt for arms um, recommended to, uh, to start slowing down the negatives. Yeah. And so he does something like four second negatives for arm training. Mm. And so Matt's arms have grown. My buddy's arms have grown. I'm hoping in these past six weeks, my arms have grown since I've started doing it. I think so. And so that, and what that really does is just, it focuses, it's just, you're building a, when you slow that negative down, you're getting a better, you're going to feel the exercise a lot more when you're slowing it down and you're flexing your muscle the whole way through. And so that's, I think that's something that to experiment with, but just, I think, yeah, like you said, if you're if you're somebody who has come from a background of, of moving weight mm. and moving weight with your prime movers and your biceps aren't and your hamstrings aren't your prime movers then you're gonna have to make some changes in your training style in order to target them properly yeah that's a great summary and uh, matt jansen i believe works with that f uh real freak uh nick walker is it oh yeah nick walker for sure yeah, yeah wow absolutely. what a physique jeez he, um, he's somebody like what's most impressive about Nick Walker is he was working with guys like Jeff Long and Dom Cardone and mm -hmm. Dom is, is a good coach. Yeah, and, is, yeah. uh, and like when he was with Jeff Long, like Jeff Long kept him a light heavy for like three years. Mm. Jeff's with J Dom Cardone blows up to heavyweight in like six months. Yeah. And then he gets with Matt. <laughs> and he blows up to a super heavyweight in a year and you know like so this is just but the thing about his blow up with matt is that it's not just um a blow up in size where they got without regard to proportions and presentation yes, that's right his symmetry has improved massively yeah. the joke about nick walker previously was he's a fridge right I'm, <laughs> I'm i talked to i talked to boston lloyd quite a bit and he's i, I consider him a friend and he likes to joke on on uh on nick is being cankled being a fridge whatever and so but he's not a fridge anymore the no, guy's got not. a fantastic taper in his yeah, front, front double like matt helped him to pose better to where he poses front double better he hits his ab thigh better to where a lot of people when they hit their ab thigh mm. 
Mm. They'll blow their obliques out rather than crunching their obliques in. And that yeah. gives you a very unesthetic look mm. um, in your waistline. And so Matt fixed that. He fixed the way he presents his legs in the ab thigh. Mm. And like his, it's all comes down to the illusion, right? Yeah. And so like, and then I think honestly, his whether it's just because it's target, his, his training style, he lifts really fucking heavy. So I don't think there's a way to do that and not increase weight size, but it doesn't look like his, his waist has grown an inch mm-hmm. since the last season, but everything else has grown phenomenally. So what those two have done together is just mind-blowingly impressive in my mind. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Nick Walker. I, I, I use him as a good example of someone with excellent training form who is just enormous. I think he's, he, to me, he looks like a, a young Jay Cutler. Um, yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah. The way he lifts is absolutely perfect mm. and the weights he lifts are mind-blowing like it's crazy i've seen him shoulder press like five plates on the smith machine with <laughs> like with a two count three count negative it's yeah. like you people people struggle to squat that, that way, <laughs> that's you know? right yeah like yeah, yeah. it's in, and he's military pressing it so yeah. yeah it's just it's pretty pretty nuts he's gonna be he's my pick for the super heavyweights in usa's this year yeah, yeah, I think he's got a lot of potential. Right, we're going to move on to the next question. Um, so we've got a question here. I don't know too much about this. In hindsight, do you regret foregoing medical school for bodybuilding? Okay, so I had mentioned this on the forums, and um, this is something I was uncomfortable with for a bit. But I was originally, my whole family um, is a family of learned doctors, as you would say, <laughs> in uh in Steph Brothers, but my mother is an eye surgeon specializing in glaucoma. My older brother um, is currently completing his residency in family medicine, and my sister-in-law is completing her residency in pediatrics. And I was also on the pre-med track just because that was what I had grown up with, seeing my mom and my, I was always saying as a kid that I wanted to be an ophthalmologist just like my mother. And so I went to college uh, with the goal of going to medical school and I was pre-med and I completed my, all of my prerequisites and I was studying for the MCAT, which is your entrance exam in medical school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also, that was also when I started getting serious in bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. And so I've just finished my first year of dedicated serious bodybuilding and my uh my airpod like low battery are you are you hearing that when i'm talking yeah, yeah. i i can still hear you you can still come across fine. okay perfect perfect I, i'm getting that signal but I'm, I'm hoping you're able to hear me but uh so i uh so like this is my first year i set a goal for myself um if i respond well to bodybuilding training i will keep doing it and if i don't i'm not i'm not going to pursue it because there's no point to me because that's very much my personality. I'm somebody who, if I'm in, I'm all in. And if I'm not, if I don't think that I'm not, you know? And so one of my good buddies um, is Aaron Clark. And so Aaron Clark is a pro bodybuilder. And he had a, um, I, I asked him, I sent him my pictures. And I was like, what do you think? I've been doing this a year. Do you think I have a shot at being any good at this? He's like, dude you could very easily be a national level guy soon. Like don't sell yourself short. You look great. Mm. And so at this time, this is that pivotal moment, you know, where I need to commit to, uh, to either pursuing the medical school thing, which is going to make it 
impossible for me to bodybuild um, to bodybuild at the level that I want to and and reach the potential that I think I have, mm-hmm. or I need to um, set that aside, pursue something that I also enjoy. Which at this time, I uh, even though I hit all my pre med pre med prerequisites, I had been completing a major in accounting just because I enjoy accounting and I thought it would give me a good business background to start my own practice once I became a practicing physician. Mm-hmm. And so I had the option of pursuing a career in accounting. And so that would give me a lot more flexibility to pursue bodybuilding while doing that. And so I knew that in my, in my heart that science was never really what I really enjoyed. I'd done it mostly because I felt there's an expectation yeah. from my brother and my mother that I needed to be a physician like them. And, um, and part of it was just me trying to meet their, meet their expectations for and, me. And just the expectations of the entire Asian community, I imagine. As well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, you know, I know. You're, you're part Pakistani, right? That's right. Yeah. 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 So uh, you understand that if yeah. you're not a doctor and you're not a lawyer, you're a failure. <laughs> but um, no, I think I think a CPA is okay too. They brag on me for being a CPA as long as you got some kind of title. Right, as right, long as you've exactly. Got letters after your name, you're all right. But <laughs> so <laughs> um, yeah, so I just I I was studying for the MCAT and I knew that I could would hate my life for the next four years studying science and not being able to bodybuild. And I thought, you know, let me see what I can do with myself. Hmm. And, um, yeah, I'm, I don't regret it at all. Honestly, Mm. I told myself that if I didn't place top three at junior nationals, I would go back, I would go back and try to pursue a medical school career just because if I can't place top three at junior nationals, I'll never, never turn pro. Mm. And to me, even though the financial compensation for turning pro and (laughs) becoming a physician are drastically different, um, in my mind, I think, and that's all that matters to me, it would be an equivalent accomplishment yeah. to achieve my bodybuilding goal or to become a physician. And yeah. so, and also the other thing about that is the timeline for reaching bodybuilding goals is very short <laughs> compared to the timeline for going to medical school and becoming a doctor. Right. And so like there's, there's, there's people who go back to school and become practicing physicians in their forties, you know? And so I could totally do, I don't think I would do that just because economically it makes no sense given that I've invested a decade and a half into my current career with, and it wouldn't, and then I'd be taking on all this debt and there'd be the opportunity cost of not working and it it would be stupid, (laughs) but it's still a possibility. But once you get to like 35, it's, it's neither realistic nor is it healthy to pursue bodybuilding success as a beginner. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I made my choice and I'm, I think I, I'm, I think I made the right one. Yeah. Excellent. Fantastic. And uh, just the last couple of questions now, um, let's get them in before your iPods die. Um, how, <laughs> do you, how do you deal with doubters uh, and any examples of that? I thought this was an interesting question. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? That's a good question. Um, I, I've been very lucky in that I've only really had one doubter in my life, whether that's because I set realistic goals and nobody can really like hate on them or doubt me yeah, or yeah. just, I surround myself with 
with good people. I haven't really had a lot of people who, um, who, who doubt my ability to do, do what I set my mind to, but was that I did have, your, was that somebody from your inner circle or? No, that was actually when I was getting ready for junior nationals. Um, Giovanni Del Biondo yeah. said to me that uh, I was in something like I was an idiot if I thought that a, a pajit, which is like a uh, it's like a, a racist term for Indians that they yeah. use on the internet. Yeah, it, he, he said to me that I was an idiot if I thought that a pajit could ever win junior nationals, mm -hmm. and that he could diet a black guy down in six weeks on McDonald's and he would beat me. Hmm. And so the, that was not just racist. Um, hmm. It was also doubting me. And it was also, it was also just rude as fuck. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah. I, I, I had no I, idea that, you said that. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, that was, that was motivation for me for sure. Hmm. You know, like to come out, come out and prove them wrong. And uh, it, as it turns out, <laughs> I did not win junior nationals, hmm. but I was, I came close you know, and, uh, and he didn't do so well this season. No. So I think that, that wound up being a little bit of karma and a little bit of comeuppance for a comment like that. And so when people doubt you, you know, as long as you are being realistic and humble mm. with what your goal is, um, just use it as fuel, mm. you know? Yeah. yeah. I, love, I love having a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, mm. just being the underdog. You know, nobody thinks that, a lot of people think that for whatever reason, Indians have crap genetics just because <laughs> they don't really pursue the hobby, you know, yeah. or there's not, or the, nu the nutrition isn't yeah. geared towards building muscle yeah. and the lifestyle isn't geared towards building muscle. But I mean, I'm not the biggest guy walking and I'm not the best body walking, but I look pretty good, man. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. I, I tend and to so, find that I tend to find that people who use the Pajit term don't exactly look like they're part of the Aryan race themselves either, uh, for the most yeah. part. Yeah. I mean <laughs> it's just I was I was kinda of mind that somebody would uh say that to me. Yeah. But yeah. It is what it is, you know. Yeah. You know? Uh, I think I think, you know, in terms of your perspective on that and how you deal with things, I think that's actually very inspirational. So I'm I'm glad I'm glad that we had that question. And um, we're going to round up with the final question, which is yep. predictions for the O. What do you think? Man, this Olympia, if you <laughs> sit back and think about it, it's crazy. You have it's two crazy. vacant titles. Yep. You have two vacant titles, both the Open Olympia yeah. and the 212. That's right. And yeah. then um, you've got like a, some of the best contenders are not, are not competing in the, in the Open or in the 212 because Flex is gone. You've got Roden's gone, Phil mm. is gone. And then I heard a rumor that um, Romney supposedly is out, but I'm, he might be doing tampon. Yeah. And so there is just, uh, but who knows? We don't know that. And um, the, the but, drama with Bonac now as well, you know, he's not going to be, yes. probably not going to be at his best. Yeah. You don't know how William Bonac is going to come in, given that he's changing his coach and given that he apparently can't eat, <laughs> can't eat his meal plan properly. That's so strange. But that just, that just shows you your, your, what genetics mean you know it's everything yeah. yeah the guy doesn't follow a plan probably till four weeks out and he looks <laughs> top top three in the world you crazy know? that's yeah. bizarre yeah but my pick for the olympia has got to be brandon curry love it man love it fantastic yeah. glad you said that me yeah. too yeah he's he's been um he's somebody whose physique i've always really liked he actually the first forum i was ever on was t nation and he used to post on t nation and he, uh, 
he was doubted from the beginning over there. They never thought he was natural when he was. And now he's like this fantastic IPV pro. He turned pro and he had all this hype around him because he had such a great body, but he never really lived up to the hype because he had, um, he had all these obligations at home, right? You know, yeah, with his yeah. family and his kids. Now he's able to focus, he's rededicated and he's, that potential is being fulfilled. And man, does this guy look freaking amazing. Yeah, he does. So to I, me, I would love to see him win. And I think he will win. I think it could be an oxygen gym one and two, because I also think Roley's going to be a, a one to watch this year as well. Yeah. Roley, I think he had, I think people are sleeping on him a little bit just yes. because of how he came out in the beginning of the year. Mm. But you got to remember this guy, this guy was pushing hard last year, mm. you know, mm. and that Arnold Australia look that he had, it's just when he brings it in with the, with, his taper in proper and his condition where it needs to be. The guy has the most muscle mm-hmm. packed per square inch on the planet, you know? Yeah. And maybe his presentation isn't as nice as it, as it could be, but in this lineup where you don't have a Phil Heath um, or a Kai Green, mm-hmm. you know, or man, who knows? Maybe Kai's doing it, but I doubt he does it. <laughs> but even, but in this lineup, you know, it's good. It could be, uh, it, it, it could be, it could be an upset too. You could, you could see him in that top two, and then for I want to make a two twelve prediction too, but mm-hmm. <laughs> an unsolicited two twelve prediction. Yeah, yeah. But if Hadi Chupan oh. does the two twelve, he's got that on lock. Like Look I think out. Derek's fantastic. Yeah. Derek's an excellent bodybuilder, but the difference between Hadi and Derek is it's stark, and you'll unreal. see it when they stand next to each other. It's Hadi crazy hottie when he competed against flex in korea like he was pushing flex real hard if he didn't even if he didn't beat him yeah but and you you put him next you put him next to derek that that difference in muscle quality is going to be insane yeah i just don't even understand his look it's just incredible i've never seen anything like in my life when he was up uh, in the open next to diasha who's got a great physique diasha's fantastic um, yeah. He just looks like an alien. It's just, it's just insane. Never yeah, seen like see lines on this guy. Like the, yeah. I, he was competing in uh, in Vancouver against Ian Valier, yeah. against uh, Josh Wade, yeah. against Lucas Osadil, against uh, Nathan Diasha, yeah. and Quinn Iria Iria in that first yeah, callout. Great physique, and yeah. in that first callout, is some are some of the best conditioned guys yeah. in the IFBB. Aside from, I mean. But the only guys that I would leave out that are, out, that are better conditioned are probably Phil Bonac and Alex, Alexis Rivera, and he was easily five to eight percent sharper than all of them. Yeah, you know the yeah. difference in muscle quality was just bizarre. You yeah. know, and these are the hardest guys on the planet. Yeah, you know, it's, and so it's, it's so strange. What, like, I don't even know how yeah. he's arrived to that physique. It's it's unreal. It just doesn't look like modern bodybuilding. It looks like we're twenty years ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's pulling out some secrets. Iranians <laughs> have got some, have got some, some state secrets that they're pumping him with. I don't know. It's that's racist, <laughs> but he's uh, <laughs> he's fantastic, man. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. I hope he gets his visa. Yeah. You know, um, it's going to be tough for him, but it would be. It would. I I just want to see. For me, it's all about seeing the best competitors together, mm. and I would. I just want to see that. I want to see all these guys um, stand on stage next to each other and see who's the best one. That would be the, that would be 
a great Olympia to me. Yep, excellent. I think that's a great summary. And um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna end it there, Sid. Um, but thank you very much for your time. I know that when we arrived on the podcast, you were just finishing a meal. I imagine it's time for meal two for yourself. It's so. Ten minutes. Ten mil, ten, ten minutes till meal three. <laughs> meal three. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm an early early riser. Up at 5:30. Right. So. <laughs> right. So I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let you get off and eat. But um, big big thank you for coming on. And uh, I thought we covered some really cool stuff. Um, great, great stuff about bodybuilding, some training, diet, and just all the intricacies. I think this was a really, really good chat. So I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Yep, I had a great time chatting with you. It's good to meet you uh, over the phone, Baz. Yeah, you too, Sid. <laughs> all right, take care, buddy. Yep. You have a good night.